Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Eleven o'clock. Welcome in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head. West Mitchell, Chris Clark, along with you here on your Wednesday morning. Very, very busy week in the world of Gamecock sports. Obviously got a ton of basketball going on. Big game tonight for the men's team taking on Auburn at 8.30. Pre-game coverage starting at 8 o'clock right here on the game. But this upcoming weekend, we see the return of Gamecock baseball. We're going to jump right into it, guys. We have with us on the Love Chevrolet phone lines, uh, Stuart Lake, who's going to be on the call this season with Gamecock baseball, getting you set uh, for Friday as they take on Miami of Ohio at Founders Park for the opening series of the season. Stuart, first of all, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I want to start off with this. You know, we talked so much last year um, going in that there were things that need that needed to be done um, in the Mark Kingston era that had not been done, including hosting a regional, um, truly hosting a regional. Uh, they had the one a couple years ago, but uh, that they hosted because of the stuff going on in Virginia with COVID, and then you know making it back to a super with uh, what they did at Florida last year. They checked off both those boxes. So now, as you head into the 2024 season, what is the level of expectation you think that's going to be placed on this team this season? Well, first of all, I appreciate you guys having me on. Listen to you guys a lot as we're riding around, getting around town. But I do, I, you know, you're a top 25 team this year. Last year, you kind of were able to sneak in, if you could say, without people knowing who you were until the, the great start. But this is a team, a lot of experienced guys on the offense. It's been fun. I've got over to see a bunch of scrimmages. I think this will probably be in Coach Kingston's, honestly, seven years here, the most he'll be able to interchange guys. They have a ton of really quality left-handed hitters, which is crucial in the SEC to have with all the power righty pitchers. And then I think the big thing will be, Let's figure out the pitching. I think Friday, once they tell us, Eli Jones will probably be that guy rolling out. And you got Chris Beach, who I think is going to be one of the best closers in this league to wrap them up. But I think it'll be interesting to just see how the pitching falls into place as the season goes on. Hey, coaches, Wes. Again, appreciate you doing this, man. Big fan of your work. Um, I I guess uh, along those same lines, uh, maybe if there are fans listening who are starting to kind of uh, turn the page to baseball season and and maybe haven't been – paying quite as much attention as they will be throughout the year. Who are a few of those pitchers, uh, you know, in, in kind of that same conversation, who are the, a few of those pitchers that you maybe have your eyes on that you're saying, hey, we're going to need this guy to maybe step into a bigger role. We're going to need this guy to be a big part of what they do. Are there a couple of guys you've maybe circled that you would put in that category? Well, it's funny. I, I went over yesterday that all of our former players are kind of getting ready to leave now and today was christian walker's last day justin smoke came through yesterday spoke to the team so i kind of grabbed matt williams and i've known coach williams since gosh since he was a kid because his dad was a high school coach in our state and i said hey i need you to sit down and tell me about the pitching and he laughed and he goes can we do it next week <laughs> and i said well we start this week he goes i know i'm gonna have a lot more answers for you next week and i said all right fair enough so I really think the biggest thing, that, as I would mentioned, Eli Jones is a guy that I'm sure tomorrow in the press conference 
Coach Kingston has kind of confirmed that rotation that he's coming out. Uh, Tyler Eskew has really had a great preseason. Uh, and then you got the guys with um, with Becker and Roman Kimball, guys that I know when they get in there, they've got quality stuff. We've already seen Becker over his career do that. Um, again, I think the real key is going to be Veach. You know, I was fortunate enough to coach here when we had a guy named Scott Barber in way back 2000s could close on a Friday night, and if you need him to start on Sunday, I honestly think Veach is that same kind of guy. I would mm-hmm. not be shocked to see him in some of these weekends, maybe a little bit more in SEC play than early on, getting extended innings. And I'd never be surprised to see him run out there first because I think he's going to be the key in a lot of ways to me to anchor in that pitching staff. Again, talking to Stuart Lake, one of the voices for Gamecock Baseball this upcoming season. You mentioned Matt Williams coming in as a new pitching coach from Liberty, a guy that's been around the game of college baseball for a very long time. Now, at the end of the day, the players themselves have to go out there and execute on the mound, but but what kind of things can he do to get this pitching staff back to where it was a couple seasons ago? Because last year, that was kind of an area of struggle that this team had, especially later on in the season. Well, I think what you'll see as you get to know Coach Williams and you get to know him more, obviously, as the season gets going, just brings a very confident and calm demeanor to it. And I've watched him over the years. He was at one time a coach at Spartanburg Methodist, then went into pro ball, then he was at Liberty. So I've just really followed his pitchers. And what his pitchers do is they throw strikes. And that's been a big thing. And when Coach Kingston mentioned his name to me years ago, what do you know about him? That's the biggest compliment, and I consider myself more of an offensive guy than a pitching guy. But I say, Coach, his guys throw strikes, and they just allow you as a team to have quick innings. And that's kind of what he's always been about. Get on there, work quick, and get those strikes. You're going to see he does. He throws the breaking balls like you have to now because everybody seems to better hit velocity. So mm-hmm. I do expect to see our guys with the changeup being a pitch, which plays right into beach. But I know he'll – He'll be doing that, but I think you'll just see a calm demeanor out of him as you get to know him and watch him through the games. Coach, let's uh, let's talk hitting a little bit here. Obviously, uh, you know this lineup, man. I, I think they're going to be able to mash top to bottom, but um, it, it obviously starts with Ethan Petrie and, and Cole Messina. I, I had the opportunity to meet Petrie before last season, and I was just like, man, that that was a just a very impressive dude. I had no idea at the time he was about to hit almost 423 bombs and be on every list in, in America as far as um, you know the various awards out there. But what can Ethan do for an encore? Is there still some upside to go here? I mean, he was just so impressive as a true freshman. Um, can he be even better than that, or, or do you think it will kind of be similar to last year? No, I think he can be better. And it was so funny. I was in the press box yesterday, and John Whittle was sitting beside me, and Kent Riker to SID, and I said, hey, isn't this game funny? And they looked at me, and Petru's walking up for his first at bat, and I go, what are you talking about? I said, last year at this time, this guy what, didn't even know who he was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember being in the cages with Walker hitting and just hearing the ball come off his bat, and Coach Lee walked in, and I said, hey, who is that? He goes, that's Ethan Petru. He goes, man, that's I think he's going to help us down the road. And, you know, here we go. (laughs) He didn't start, you know, the first two games last year. And that, you know, hit two rockets, and by Sunday he was starting, and we all know the season. But I think we're just really kind of that tip of an iceberg of him as learning who he is. It's going to be a tough year for him in a sense that everybody now, the scouting report will start with him and Cole Messina. 
So when you face the Gamecocks, those are going to be the first two guys the pitchers hear about, where last year maybe wasn't. But I th- I'm expecting another big year out of him. And I just think with Cole being either in front of him or behind him, wherever Coach Kingston ends up doing with their batting order, I, just yesterday, easy RBI in the first, little fly ball to left field, next at bat, looks like he gets beat and he hits a home run to right field. So, I mean, it's just a special type swings he gets off. Coach, Chris Clark here. Thanks again for joining us. So, along those same lines, you know, as you said, Ethan kind of came out of nowhere last year. Is there anybody, a, a guy or two, that you can pinpoint from this roster that maybe he's not a household name right now, but you think by the time the season rolls around, Carolina fans midway through the season are going to be saying, hey, that's a guy who's a dude now. I mean, is there anybody that could, you know, make that type of leap to you from what you've seen and heard? Yeah, you know, and – I kind of look for that, too. And the guy that jumps out to me is the freshman, Bakes. And you keep hearing his name come up where they'll say maybe he'll DH or maybe he'll be in left field. He's kind of the backup catcher. I think Cole will probably catch 50 games out of 60 this year because he's such a difference maker to the pitching staff. But Bakes is a freshman, I think, out of Pennsylvania. I don't have my roster in front of me. But if you were telling me to do one pick to click, he's going to be my guy. Just a right-handed hitter that, in the scrimmages I've seen, doesn't really seem to get fooled. I've watched him hit a home run down the right field line. I've watched him hit one in the left center gap, and I've seen him pull him. So he's a guy that has showed that he can use the whole field. And I don't know if he will be that DH opening day. Again, Ethan wasn't either last year, but I think he's a guy that – our fans and people that get out to the games a lot are going to notice him as he gets involved. You mentioned that left field position that Bakes is in the running for, and again, you have the opportunity to use him in a, in a couple different spots. It, it, who do you think has the inside track to be the initial starter out there, or is this a spot that could see a couple different guys over the first couple of weeks of non-conference play before finally settling on someone, whether it be Bakes, Blake Jackson, or Kennedy Jones? Well, I, Kennedy Jones is a guy I was fortunate enough over the last couple of years to get to do some uh, SOCOM baseball. I would go do their TV games. I got to do their conference championship or tournament last year. Kennedy Jones to me is a guy that he certainly looks the role, and I've seen him in quality at bats. So I, I, I know tomorrow Coach King's going to probably give us a clear idea of the lineup, but to me I'm thinking Kennedy Jones is going to get his opportunities in left field. Uh, I could see Blake sliding over in the center field. Watched him yesterday led off in the scrimmage. Uh, nice quality at bat the first time with a hit, then a two-out bunt late in the scrimmage, which I loved because he can then steal second. And I just think at that top of the order, whatever they settle on, could be really key to allowing, you know, Petri and Messina and Lee Croy will probably be right in there too to get some RBI opportunities. Coach, um, what are your expectations for for Will Tippett this year? I I think a guy, I guess, is – kind of stepping into the role at shortstop that's obviously kind of a, a spotlight position I feel like uh, did some good things for South Carolina last year playing second base as a freshman and kind of I thought got better as the year uh, went on and but, but kind of just had to go through the fires early on uh, do, do you think he can take another big step forward this year I do and I honestly I think defensively he will be what we're talking about either a really good defensive team or maybe an average defensive team, because if he can step into that role at short, and I don't care where you would hit him, he can bat ninth, and I would be happy. I think if he can solidify the middle of that infield, mm-hmm. then you really have a chance to be something pretty good, because they're going to throw strikes. 
I've gone out there. This staff is not going to be a staff that you're going, holy cow, just let them hit it. They're going to throw strikes, and once you get in the league play, ball's going to get put in play. And I've, I've been around this league a long time. The teams, when you go back and look, Gamecock teams or just any SEC teams, that shortstop, he's usually pretty special. And Will has a chance, and I'm excited for him because he's a guy that never complained whatever was happening last year, put me here, put me there. I just think this is his opportunity to grab that spot, and I hope he does and just be that guy that, you know, is in there every day and we're not wondering who's there. Uh, Coach, last one for you here. Got about two minutes. Unfortunately, this is going to be the first baseball season without our friend Tommy Moody. I know they're going to honor him before the game uh, coming up on Friday, and you don't like to use the word replace, and there is no replacing Tommy Moody, but you have been the one that has been asked to to fill the void that he is leaving behind in that radio booth, and you obviously have a special relationship with him, having worked with him over the years as well. What does it mean that, that you are the person that's going to get to, um, uh, again, fill that role that he is unfortunately leaving behind? A tremendous honor, and as I have said, and I appreciate you saying that there's no replacement. I'm just the guy that's going to sit by Derek this season, and I'm just – Tommy has affected so many of us. I know he did y'all at 107.5. He did all of us. Tommy started my first year of coaching here in 1999 being an analyst on the radio, so we had 20-plus years of a relationship and a friendship that the last few years were so special, and just to have that opportunity this year to – hopefully share a lot of cool stories about Tommy and just let our fans know that he's going to be a part of this program moving forward as he's always been. So I'm tremendous honor this weekend and I'm excited. Please get into the park early on Friday because we have some just really cool things we're going to do and, and the family will be throwing out the first pitch. So I want our fans in there to let them know how much we love and miss Tommy. Absolutely. And again, that game coming up on Friday, four o'clock right here on the game pregame coverage starting at 345. We certainly appreciate it, Coach. Looking forward to hearing you on the call for this season and hopefully uh, will be another great season of uh, Gamecock baseball. Awesome. Thank you all. and look forward to talking to you all again in the future. Absolutely. Again, that is Coach Stuart Lake going to be on the call this year for Gamecock baseball. We will uh, come back. We'll jump into some football talk as a couple of Gamecocks getting invited to the upcoming NFL Combine. We'll hit that coming up. It's Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you on your Wednesday morning. Reminder, you can always listen to us on the 107.5 Game app. Give it a download on your app store. Take us wherever you go, across the state, across the country, across the world. You can have the uh, 107.5 Game with you wherever you are. And as always, you can stream us on the Game TV, sponsored by our friends over at Shepherd Glass. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit the bell uh, uh, icon so you can also be notified anytime we upload or are live as well. As we get into the football offseason, the NFL Combine, kind of the next thing up as far as major events going on in the world of football. And uh, five Gamecocks yesterday were officially invited to the Combine, which starts at the begin or the end of this month, uh, runs through March the 4th. Those being Spencer Rattler, Xavier Leggett, Trey Knox, Marcellus Dial, as well as Nick Arzullo. Um Nick Arzullo, I know, was seeking out potentially an extra year of eligibility to try and come back to college. Obviously, that didn't end up happening, but uh, very cool to see him at least get an opportunity to uh, try his hand at the Combine and see where he can go. Yeah, Nick G, um, hopefully we can get him on the show before all this happens, man. That Garnet Trust interview we had with him was was one of the better ones, I thought. Uh, fantastic personality. and Smarter than all of us combined. Oh, God, man. He's going to like own a, he's gonna own a business here in Columbia, I think, or, or somewhere else before it's all over, but... Um, 
good group there. They all will have a chance. Uh, I guess there's 300-plus guys now who get invited to the combine, which seems like a pretty big number to manage. But uh, those five, you know, there are maybe a couple of other guys on the South Carolina roster that you would have thought would have maybe a shot. I always sort of judge it by the postseason all-star games as well. And so all five of those guys were in postseason all-star games. You had East-West for Marcellus Dow. Um, Hula Bowl was Nick G and Trey Knox. And um, unfortunately, Marion Brown, he got invited to Hula Bowl but did not get invited to the Combine. And then, of course, Senior Bowl was Leggett and Spencer Rattler. You got to think that Rattler and Leggett, based on the things that they're going to sort of be judging you on at the NFL Combine, those two guys are going to impress quite a bit at the combine, I would think. Yeah, I I look at a guy like Leggett, and unfortunately couldn't finish out, you know, the Senior Bowl because of the ankle injury. But you know, just based on the season he had, based on the feedback, like especially all, all those guys are going to get really f- good feedback from the building. But with Rattler and Leggett, those are the two that you think hey, these are going to be your highest two guys drafted from the South Carolina program. And so that's why I'm talking about them in these terms. The coaching staff is going to give outstanding feedback on those guys. There's, there's no question about that. Then you look at Leggett. We know he's a big, fast guy. There was a little talk about him measuring in a little bit shorter. Whatever. He's huge. I mean, the guy's huge. Uh, he can really, really run. I'm very intrigued by, you know, what time does he run? Um, what do they do at Pro Day? Rattler obviously helped himself. I think we covered that the other day, Tyler, uh, in the Garnet Trust Hour. You know, just the type of season he had under difficult circumstances for South Carolina. Then he did nothing but help himself all Senior Bowl week and in the game, winning MVP. Uh, those two, the, the stock appears to be up for both of them. How much did Trey Knox improve his draft stock, in your opinion, coming to South Carolina this past season, as opposed to if he would have stuck around at Arkansas another year? That's tough to say. I mean, it's hard to say. Arkansas' season did not go as well, you know. Now we're talking, we're sitting here talking about South Carolina's season not going well, Spencer Rattler improving his stock, right? But it's a little bit different because he was the quarterback, touched the ball every time. It gave him actually an opportunity to showcase some different things. Physically and mentally, how do you handle all – being under duress, how do you perform? He checked the boxes mentally and physically there. He expanded upon his game, improved his game because he, you know, uh, cut down on turnovers even despite those circum- tough circumstances. Um, he showed off his legs more, his ability to extend plays, get yardage with his legs. So – with a guy like Knox, I just feel like it's a little different, you know, because if the offense is struggling in total, kind of like Rocket Sanders last year, right? He had some injuries. The offense wasn't going as going as well just generally. Um, so it's kind of hard to tell. And, look, if Knox would have come here and South Carolina would have had this incredible offense last year, he could have helped us stock more. Um, he probably helped it some. I don't know if you could say, like, there's this giant, giant leap, but at the end of the day – he got invited to the combine, and that's kind of your goal if you're kind of on the line. Yeah, and I, I think Knox probably like quietly had a better year yes. than than people really give him credit for. I think he, I mean, he's right up there, second leading receiver, and you know, just uh, 
I thought maybe came along as the year progressed and, and even obviously missed time with, with some injuries that kept him from having an even bigger year. But he has, first of all, teams are going to love him when they meet him, and I, I think that's that's going to be the case with a lot of those guys from South Carolina is when teams do like the sit-downs and the they ask them the weird questions where they're just kind of wondering they're going to judge what they say to just these off-the-wall uh, questions they throw at them. These guys are going to do very, very well in those settings. And then, you know, Knox has grown a ton since he got into the college level. I mean, just physically, he looks like a true tight end now as opposed to a wide receiver playing tight end. So he'll have a chance, I think, to sneak in to, to being drafted. Like Chris said, though, obviously, I think it's going to be Rattler and Leggett in some order. And then it's going to probably be a little bit of a gap before you get to some of those other guys. Marcellus Dow, I, I'm very intrigued to see what the feedback is. What does he run? What does he measure in at? Because he's a guy I could see moving up or down, potentially kind of being a late-round guy, or if he has a really strong showing, could actually start to move up maybe into the top half of the draft, I think, uh, you know, depending on what other cornerbacks show as well. But I, I do think with Leggett, um, yeah, he's he actually plays a good bit taller than he actually is. Mm-hmm. I think mo- most NFL teams that are paying attention, though, probably already knew that because I – I was surprised Jim Nagy at the beginning of the college football season made the comment, guys, he's 6'1". And um, so that, at least in his circles, was already known that, hey, he's maybe listed taller than that, but he's really 6'1". But when teams see Leggett physically, I mean, they're going to be blown away. I mean, Tyler, you saw him when he came out and and, uh, hung out with us for for one of the shows. I mean, physically just off the charts impressive even compared to other NFL draft prospects he's going to run incredibly well i think for his size and then i think for spencer when spencer sits down and talks with these teams they've all now obviously at this point received all this positive feedback about hey th- this is not the kid emphasis on kid that you saw goofing off on a Netflix special sure this is an adult now who has matured and has done everything the right way. They've all heard that feedback. However, they are now going to see it for themselves when they meet with Spencer. So Spencer's got some upward mobility to go in the draft, I think. And a lot of teams saw in person the arm talent for Spencer Rattler. They saw it in Mobile off the charts. So uh, I, I'm I'm so curious and, and actually excited for both those guys to see what the returns are after the combine coming up. I am uh, I'm really curious to see quick quick make your case boom boom yeah. which one goes first draft. who goes earlier in the draft Ooh. yeah because I, I have my pick we don't have time with a caveat well, we can save for the other side yes. Yeah, right. Let's do that. We will officially do make your case. Oh, we can. Yeah, we can do the actual we, sound. We, we will everything. actually get the sound. We have Mine ready to go. Enough. I see how it is. We'll do that coming up next as the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs rolls on on your Wednesday here on the game. Welcome back in. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, and Chris Clark along with you. We'll get into the impromptu make your case in just a moment. But we want to welcome back in our friends from Goldline Framing. Oh, are we doing this right now? Why not? Yeah, if you. Yeah, you, you caught me off guard there, Tyler. But uh, 
By the way, if you are, are a better planner than me and you want to plan an off an awesome gift, hit up our friends at Gold Line Framing. And uh, pretty much anything you can dream up, they can frame it up for you over at Gold Line. They're in West Columbia. They've been in business for over 20 years. 511 12th Street, West Columbia. In store, they've got an art gallery, home decor, furniture, and gift items. Phone number 803-739-1337. Open Tuesday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. And then on Saturdays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Also, I need you to give them a follow on Instagram at GoldLineFramingSC. Um, again, whether it's original artwork, canvases, jerseys, or flags, or, or really just anything else you could think of, they can hook you up with a custom framing job over at Goldline Framing, 803-739-1337. All right, nothing like an impromptu version of Make Your Case. Dave, hit the sounder. One more time. There it is. I All was right. on the verge of just doing it myself again. Chris, restate okay. the, the, the okay, case. So the, so the case, Make Your Case, will Spencer Rattler or Xavier Leggett be drafted earlier? in this spring's NFL draft? Who will go first? Uh, I'll go first. I'll be quick with it. I believe that I like Rattler's possibilities at the next level. I do think he has the opportunity to go to a team and potentially be someone that could be in the mix for a starting job, just kind of depending where he goes. I don't think he gets high enough to be in that early second round, maybe late first round, where Xavier Leggett is being projected. Now, as you mentioned, when you go to the combine, some of his measurables may not be exactly what they're looking for, but I think what he runs in the 40, what his vert time is going to be, as well as some of these other um, you know, things they do with the combine out in Indianapolis, I think it's going to impress a lot of teams. I think Xavier Leggett is going to be somewhere around the end of the first round, early second round. I just don't know if Spencer Rattler's intangibles can quite get him that high. Chris, what you got? So I, I feel pretty similar to Tyler. I have a little bit of a hesitation. I think sitting here right now, Leggett is probably a little higher. Because I've had, even after the Senior Bowl, talked to some people that have a pretty good feel. You know, you never fully know on draft day, right? Uh, things could change. Things could be surprises either way. But I think... I was told that Rattler is still possibly in, like, the day three range, which is, like, round four, you know. And as you said, Tyler, Xavier Leggett probably, like, second to third range. My my hang-up is this. It's kind of what you were talking about earlier, Wes. When Spencer Rattler sits down with teams, let's say you have a team that needs a quarterback or they feel like they need a really good quarterback, and it's round three, round two even. And they say, man... We love Spencer Rattler. Let's go ahead and take him here. You know, I could see that happening, especially at a position like quarterback. It's, you know, not that receivers are like dime a dozen, but a little bit more than a quarterback, you know. And and I think we've all talked about how important quarterback is, how many different quarterbacks played last season in the NFL. I, if, I'm going to say Leggett, but I could definitely see it going. And I'm not trying to give a cop-out answer. I just think it could change. Yeah, it, Spencer's still going to have to go up quite a bit, at least in terms of these projections, to to pass Leggett, I think. and uh, but, but that can happen. I mean, I'm looking right now. This is – and I know these things are going to be kind of all over the place right now, and, and they'll – as – things get closer and closer. It'll be a little bit more of a consensus across the various people who track this stuff. But 
ESPN right now, they've got Leggett uh, as the 40th best available overall prospect in the entire draft pool. Rattler, you got to go all the way to 108. So, you know, you you've got to you've got to really make up some ground here if you're Spencer. Now, if you kind of dial this thing into quarterbacks, then Rattler right now sits right behind Michael Penix at 7. And I tell you what, guys, look at the players behind and ahead of Rattler on this list. Uh, Michael Pratt, who is the Tulane quarterback, is right behind Rattler. Jordan Travis, of course, FSU quarterback, um, behind Pratt. Michael Penix Jr. is sixth. Bo Nix, fifth. J.J. McCarthy, according to ESPN, is fourth. And so, all right, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, I think it's going to be hard for Rattler to go ahead, in my opinion, of those three. Could Spencer Rattler go ahead of J.J. McCarthy? I would say absolutely yes. Um, Could he go ahead of Bo Nix? I would say yes. I'm actually a little bit higher on Michael Penix. I would put Penix personally above Nix and McCarthy. So that would put Penix fourth. Could Rattler be the fifth quarterback taken in this draft? If so, then you're probably, compared to like the overall rankings, you're probably making a huge jump there based on quarterback needs of these teams and the fact that everybody, if you don't have a quarterback, your number one goal is always to find a quarterback. So I actually am going to go with Spencer Rattler not just to be contrarian to what y'all are saying, but I, I truly think it could happen looking at who, which of his peers he's going to be compared to. Uh, give me Rattler over McCarthy all day. Yeah, well, We will uh, remember this segment and revisit this, I guess, in the month of April and see if we were right or not. Um, but again, we'll see what happens with those guys when the draft rolls around. We've got to get through the combine first here coming up in just a couple of weeks. Coming up tonight, men's basketball in action taking on number 13 Auburn. Huge matchup as South Carolina tries to stay uh, tied atop the SEC standings with Alabama. We'll talk to Justin Hawkinson from Auburn's On3 site coming up next. Preview that matchup as we wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs here on the game. Welcome back in. It is the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Head, West Mitchell, Chris Clark along with you. Wrapping up today's show, big matchup tonight on the hardwood. Men's team heading down to Auburn to take on the number 13 Tigers. Tip-off at 8.30. Pre-game coverage starting right here on the game at 8 o'clock. Joining us now to discuss this matchup from Auburn Live, the on-3 site for the Auburn Tigers, is Justin Hawkinson. Justin, first of all, thanks so much for taking your time this morning. This Auburn team is a different kind of animal in Neville Arena, uh, undefeated at home this season. Closest game they played was that 11-point win over Texas A&M a little bit earlier on in conference play. What is it about that home environment that this Bruce Pearl squad seems to thrive in? Yeah, they are a different team. Um, it's just they just feed off the energy. I mean, it's just it's become a really um, a really good home atmosphere. They've got 50, I guess it's 52 straight home sellouts now. Um, and so the way it's, the way it's sort of constructed and built, I mean, it's sold out, it's packed. Everybody's kind of on top of you. Um, the roof's kind of low, so it keeps a lot of the noise in. So it's just a loud venue. And the way that Bruce Pearl's teams play, which is trying to create some havoc on defense and run when they can, and um, it just creates a style that's fun and exciting to watch. And the fans, 
just really get into it. And if Auburn can get on a run when they get on some runs, um, the crowd just, you know, goes, goes crazy. And it just becomes a tough place to play. So, um, I mean, they had a they had a 28-game home win streak last year. Going into last year's snap, now they're at 15 again in a row. So, it's just a place they're comfortable in. The crowd feeds off it. They feed off each other. Um, they play off of one another, and it's just a it's a tough place to go in there and 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 beat them and try to hold them down from going on those runs. Justin Chris Clark here. Thanks for joining us. So I, I want to go to the tempo aspect of this game because I was reading this morning on AuburnLive.com. You had some great no, a great notebook basically with a lot of stats, analytics, insight into this game. Really good read for everyone to go check out. But uh, you noted, you know, Auburn's tempo under Bruce Pearl. They like to run. On the other side of that is South Carolina, who definitely wants to slow down the tempo. You noted that uh, Evan Mia's analytics has South Carolina number 355 nationally in tempo. So what is it very, very important to Auburn's success from what you've seen this season to be able to push tempo and play fast and get their opponents into that type of game? Um, I would say, it, I would say what's important for Auburn is to is to create turnovers on the defensive end and 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 blocks and steals. There, it's not. I mean, Auburn wants to play fast to some degree. They're not the fastest team in the country by any means. That you know, if you go look at tempo the other way, I don't even know if Auburn's in the top. I don't know. I'd have to go find them top 30, 40. They're not necessarily a team that wants to blitz down there like Alabama, let's say, and shoot the ball within the first 10 seconds. That not, that's not necessarily Auburn, but they, they do want to get out and run. They do want to try to take advantage of, of some early looks in the shot clock. But more importantly, they, they have to create turnovers um, and get blocks and steals and then turn that into some fast break opportunities. They definitely want to run fast break-wise. They don't necessarily want to go down there and shoot within the first 10 seconds. So uh, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit of both. But the way South Carolina plays, they just – they slow the game down so much. Combine that with a with a physical team, team that doesn't make a lot of mistakes, a long team, and it's the kind of team that can cause Auburn problems. I mean, in years past, this South Carolina, the way that they're sort of built, the way they play, is the type of team that can can beat Auburn, that can cause them issues. It's why Texas A&M has had success against Auburn over the last handful of years. They do a similar stuff: slow it down. They play good defense. They they're physical. Um, that game earlier in the year, Auburn beat them 66-55. So it was kind of that – it was a much slower-paced game, lower-scoring game for Auburn. So, yeah, I think it's a good matchup for Carolina. I think it's a challenging matchup for Auburn. Um, at home, I think Auburn will, will be able to go on some runs. But I do think that matchup-wise, Carolina's tempo and the way they sort of go about things um, is, a, is a good way to, to try to slow Auburn down and match up against them limit limit the runs limit the energy things like that we're joined by justin hokuson auburn live on the own three site go check it out for the auburn side of this game uh, uh i tell you justin this is honestly probably from a south carolina fan perspective one of the biggest basketball games south carolina has has had in quite some time lots of excitement here about this game and um i, I was just curious a lot of Gamecock fans have started to to even watch Auburn this past week against Florida. Uh, but but for maybe people who haven't really tuned in that just know, hey, this is a good Auburn basketball program, but haven't watched a ton of them this year, who are maybe just from a big picture context or in the context of this game, who are a couple of key players for Auburn 
that South Carolina fans should maybe have their eyes on tonight? Yeah, I mean, it starts with it starts with Janai Broom and Jalen Williams, Auburn's frontline guys. Um, at home, those guys are fantastic. Jalen has had some struggles over the years on the road and big games on the road. But at home, he's generally really good. So it starts with those two guys. Janai's your center at 6'10", and Jalen's the forward. Those guys combined for 50 points against Alabama a week ago. Um, and so when they're when they're on, they're, uh, they're tough. They're both left-handed guys. They're good around the basket, good touch. Jalen can step out and shoot the three. They're both really good passers, despite being front-line guys. Um, and so the offense pretty much is going to run through them to some degree um, every time down the court. They're going to be involved. And so, like I said, at home, they're probably averaging – you know, they're probably combining for about 34, 35 points a game or something like that at home. So that's where it starts. Um, and then I think you move to, you know, I think you keep an eye on Trey Donaldson, who has moved into the starting point guard role at, over the last four games. Aiden Holloway, the former McDonald's All-American, started all year. Aiden's really struggled. He's struggled shooting. He's not shooting the ball well. So now he's coming off the bench. Trey Donaldson, who's a sophomore, is is in that point guard role. He's he's played fairly well, minus at Florida, where everybody basically played poorly. Um, but Trey's played pretty well as a tough physical point guard, um, and he's done well at home. And then you look at somebody like um, Chad Baker Mazzaro, who comes off the bench. He's probably Auburn's best three man, but he comes off the bench, um, you know, because Auburn Chris Moore starts. He's got a lot of experience. Chad Baker is kind of that energy guy off the bench. He's probably the better three, but he but he comes off the bench. He's probably the third most valuable player on the team coming off the bench. He's a guy that probably averages about nine and four, but he does everything. He can assist. He can rebound. He'll draw some fouls. Um, and so he's probably another guy that you that you watch coming off the bench. And then past that, it's just sort of a flurry of players. I mean, they play ten guys. So whether it's Denver Jones at the two, Dylan Cardwell comes off the bench as a center. They've basically got two of everything they got two true point guards two true shooting guards two true three four and five that 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 they can come off the bench they're not really mixing and matching in terms of putting a guy out of a position they've got a true guy at all those positions too deep so they'll run a lot of guys at you but it's going to start with Janai and Jalen when Jalen doesn't play well Auburn Auburn doesn't play well when you go back this year last year you look at Jalen Williams the game is he struggles Auburn struggles he didn't play well at Florida he didn't play well at App State he didn't play well at Alabama. I mean, all these games Auburn lost. Um, Janai, they can win. Janai can score, and they can still they can still lose. Jalen's sort of the guy that when he doesn't play well, they they don't win. It's tough to overcome. So I would start with the front line. I think the front line is really really good. I think everything else is sort of a sum of parts. It's not one great individual. It has to be a sum of of the whole of the whole for for Auburn to succeed and play well. Well, hey, Justin, we appreciate your insight. We're excited to see what happens. Should be a good matchup tonight out there in Auburn. Yeah, should be a, should be a really good one, man. Should be a good one. Absolutely. Again, that's Justin Hawkinson from Auburn Live. Uh, Auburn's on three side. He mentions uh, all those guys they have coming off the bench. That depth for a team like South Carolina that tries and slows you down and really grinds you out, that's something that could certainly play into Auburn's advantage by having so many guys that they can bring in over the course of a game. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens here tonight. Um can can South Carolina keep Auburn from running? They don't turn the ball over a ton, and they slow it down so much. We've not seen teams go on these long, deep runs against South Carolina. 
that would be a key for a crowd that would be sold out again. Absolutely. Excited to see what happens again. 830 tonight, the tip-off uh, pregame cover starting at 8 o'clock right here on the game. Number 11, South Carolina, number 13, Auburn. That'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Coming up next, the halftime show. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.